Hello there, this is Sam, the host of the That Christian Next Up podcast. I just want to use this opportunity to thank you, our listeners, for your continued support in 2023, and to wish you a wonderful Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in advance. This is the second installment of our Made For More bonus episode series. Do listen, share with somebody, and pray about what you hear. Jesus loves you. God bless you. Talk to you soon. So today we are going to look at uh, a number of uh, important things and I hope that you can uh, keep up. And uh, the main thing that I want to look at is God is enough. God is enough. That's the main topic really. Um, Sometimes we go through our lives and we put God on one side and we put other things on another side. And we think that the two can't exist together. But the fact of it is that, you know, at least anyways, the way God wants it to be is that He is enough. He's enough for us and He's enough for our lives. If you look at the first commandment, um, the first commandment of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, uh, this is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. What it says is, You shall have no other God before me. So you are not to share me. You are not to try this and try that. You're just supposed to have me. And the meaning of that is God is enough. And that's a view that God shares. It's not something that, you know, we have developed as Christians, you know, in our Christian language, Christian speech. Um, This is actually something that God wants. This is something that originates from him, that he is enough. And I hope that um, in our own lives, if already we don't see him as enough, I hope that we come to see him as enough because he is enough. And as Christians, we know that God has power. So he's, uh, we know from stories, we know from stories historically in the Bible, and we know from stories that we see in our own lives. We know from people who are around us, people we have prayed for, people we have heard, prayer is for, we know that God has power. But also we know what God has said. So we know, for instance, that he has spoken about how, and this is Jesus, Jesus has spoken about how all power has been given to him in heaven and earth. We know that Jesus has spoken about how the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, right? And he has given him uh, the power and the ability to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, right? Recovery of sight to the blind. These are things that Jesus said while he was on earth. We also know through scriptures like Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So we know, we know, at least we've been told that Jesus has power, right? So we know he has power and we have heard that he has power because he has said it. So if you want, we can open our Bible um, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. So Luke chapter 4. I really like the book of Luke. If you, if you can't tell by now. <laughs> um, so Luke chapter 4. 
Luke chapter 4. And we'll look at the first verse of Luke chapter 4. It says something really interesting. The first verse of Luke chapter 4. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Okay? The next thing we see, we go to verse 14. And Jesus returned from the wilderness. So this is where he was tempted. He returned from the wilderness. And he came in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And from there they went out the fame of him. Okay? And then we look at verse 18, which I, I quoted there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right? And then I also mentioned Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So we know as Christians that Jesus has power. And God, Jesus being God, has power. But then we also know what he has said. And an example of what he has said is right there in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he goes on in verse 21. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So this is Luke chapter 4 we're looking at. So... What am, I, what, what am I getting at? Well, sometimes for Christians, God being enough is not enough. Sometimes as Christians, we want, you know, other things. We want more. We want something different, right? Um, some of us are not ready to let go of some things that we think are important. Some of us are not ready to pause on some things that we think are important. Some of us are not ready or willing to find out how we can be of service. Some Christians just exist as Christians in name, but not in action. So some Christians are just Christians, I'm a Christian. But there's no action. Right? Um, some Christians don't commit sin in the classical sense of committing sin, but they don't commit to anything anyways. They don't do good and they don't do bad, they, they just exist. Some Christians are Christians in isolation, right? They don't interact with anyone, they're just Christians. They're like, um, you know, the royal family. <laughs> So there are some who, this is in, in England, in, in, in Great Britain. There are some of them who will become something. So they will end up becoming the king or the queen or something like that. And then there are some that won't become anything. So these, they, they're just, they just have the name. And they do a few ceremonial duties, but at the end of the day, they, they just have the name and they're just there. And there's some Christians who just have the name and they're just there. And some people are Christians. Some Christians are Christians because of those around them. They copy what those people do. But they don't have any conviction themselves. They don't have any strong belief of their own. Some of these people who do not believe for themselves, they also take on the belief of others. So 
you have some people who are Christian and they're only Christian because the person that is beside them that they are copying says they are Christian. And they can see by the fruits of the person that they're copying that this person doesn't really take this seriously. So even they themselves don't take it seriously either. So not only are they copying, they're also not serious really. And what you find is a good example of this is some children or some teenagers or some young adults. They're just following to church, but they don't have any actual conviction that if they were left on their own, this is what they would do. That if they were left on their own, they would chase after him, after Jesus. There are some Christians who identify as Christians, but they don't have the identity of being Christian. It's like the blind leading the blind, you know? So imagine somebody who cannot see leading somebody behind them who also cannot see. And I think there are some Christians, some people who identify as Christians who have people copying them in Christianity, but they themselves are not really doing what they should be doing and the people who are copying them are not doing what they should be doing. Some Christians, and I, and I touched on this on Sunday, um, they approach their Christianity without any sense of personal responsibility. And I think this is really important. Some Christians don't feel that they should pray for their church. Some Christians don't see themselves as responsible for the success of their church. Some Christians don't feel that they must sacrifice for the church and for God's work. Some Christians don't believe that their presence in church and around the members of the church is an encouragement. Some Christians don't believe that God is worthy of every good action that they do, every good thing. Remember, it says in the Bible, your labor of love is not going to be in vain. Some Christians don't believe that. Some Christians count the cost of everything. Oh, I'm going to buy petrol to go to church. I can't do that. Some Christians think, oh, if I buy petrol and I have to give an offering or tithe, I can't do that. Some Christians think, if I go to church and offering time comes and I don't stand up, it's going to look weird. I can't do that. Some Christians don't realize that God is worthy of every good action. Because God himself is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Some Christians believe that God exists just to service their needs. So when they need something, they reach to God. I think I talked about this as well. That God is not a guarantee of your provision. He's just a guarantee of himself. And when you are happy with him, 
then we can keep talking after that. Some Christians think that their other priorities must fit around their relationship and duty to God. So, some Christians feel like, well, I have to work. I just have to work. And there's no time for God. I'm tired. I'm just too tired. And there's no time for God. We have to go on holiday. We have to go on holiday. So I have to, I have to save so that we can go on holiday. We need a new car. We need a new car. So I have to save. I can't, I can't, I just can't. The rent is so high on my days. The rents are so high nowadays. I can't. Right? But I want us, and I think this is very important, that we see Christianity with personal responsibility. Do the best that you can do. And I think that if we all of us look at ourselves we need to ask ourselves the question is what i am doing now the best that i can do now human actions are not new to god if somebody says oh god i love you and they don't really love him that's not new that's not that's not different I, you know, I gave some example of just there now, some types of Christians. I have been one of those types of Christians many times. There was a time I didn't used to take any personal responsibility. You know, if I miss church, so what? There were times when I was in church, not because I wanted to be in church, but because <laughs> I had to come. Because everybody was gone, and it would be strange if I was at home. There was a time when my desire to do things for God was because someone was pushing me. You have to, you have to, you have to. I've been there. So the fact of it is, God is not surprised. God has seen this story before. You're not the first. I'm not the first. The Bible is full of occasions when people are given excuse why they won't put God first. Why God is not enough for them. The Bible is full of that. Sometimes... I still make some of these mistakes. I, I still think to myself, oh, I need this other thing. I don't have, I'm too tired to pray. I'm too tired to put effort into this thing. I, I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to attend church. Sometimes, sometimes. I don't want to do what God told me to do. Some Christians, and actually this one just came to me now. Some Christians don't know what God wants them to do. Some Christians think that all that God wants them to do is to attend church. But actually, there is more 
to Christianity than just attending church. Some Christians think that being in the choir is all that God wants them to do. But there is more to Christianity than just being in the choir. Some Christians think that giving their offering and attending church is all they need to do. But there is more to Christianity than just attending church and giving your offering. We need to take personal responsibility for Christianity. The same way when you have children, let's say, at home, and you know you have to give them a bath, you have to brush their teeth, you have to buy them clothes, you have to um, buy them shoes, you have to take them to go and play in the park, you have to buy them a Christmas gift, you have to apply for them to go to school, you have to buy a school uniform, you have to buy school books, right? And the list keeps going and we never say no, never, I can't. We never say it. We have children and they keep growing and growing and they reach 18 and they reach 20 and they reach 22 and our heart keeps getting bigger for them. It never stops. They go to college and we have to pay for their accommodation or we have to pay for their laptop. Kids that are now grown adults, our heart and our love still gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we've been doing this since they were born. That's just normal human love. You love your child, you love the person beside you, right? Human relationship. What about our relationship with God? Is our hearts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger? We know God says in Lamentations 3.23 that his love never comes to an end. It's new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. God's love is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now I've often said this here. Whatever God is doing, we need to match it. It doesn't mean it will be equal but we need to match it. If you are a Christian and there's a mismatch, God is doing this much for you and you're doing this little. That's not right. God is fighting your battles. God is giving you favor. God is making ways where there seem to be no way. God is providing for your needs. God is keeping you safe. What are we doing to match that? Again, we will never match it. But what is the effort towards him like? You know, the lady who the lady who came to Jesus and brought this expensive perfume and used it to clean his feet and with our hair wiped wiped his feet after cleaning it she was forgiven of her sin 
she was forgiven of her sin. But then she replied with her actions. How are you or how is I or how am I, apologies, cleaning Jesus' feet and wiping with our hair? How are we doing something like that today? I hope you know the story. This lady, a sinner. They were telling Jesus, Oh Jesus, you don't want to be near this woman. But, she perfumed his feet and wiped it with her hair. What are we doing that's like that today? Is it attending church? Is it giving our offering? What is it that we are doing that is sacrificing our dignity? You know, some of us were like, oh yes, I must look good. This is the standard of life that I must have. Okay, no problems. But what are you giving up for God? Because the expectation is God will give everything to us. Well, what are we giving to him? So this is personal responsibility. You look in the mirror and you say, am I doing enough? If you see your children aren't behaving the way that they're behave, they should be behaving, you should say to yourself, I must say something. This is personal responsibility. Are you getting stronger as a Christian? Have you grown? Have you gotten bigger since you gave your life to Christ? Or are you still doing the same thing? When something wrong happens, are you still running to the pastor? Or are you still running to someone else to pray for you? Or do you lose your faith? Or do you remember I have a God who never fails. And even if what you pray about doesn't happen immediately, do you still tell yourself, no, it doesn't matter. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by Him. This is personal responsibility. Think of it this way. As a human being, as a person, when you look in the mirror and you notice you've lost some weight, you think to yourself, okay, look, I need to start feeding myself better. I need to drink more water. I need to eat more fruits. I need to take some multivitamins, right? So as a Christian, in your relationship with God, look in the mirror. What do you need to do? You know, the excuses that we tell ourselves and that we tell God they are not new to Him. Sometimes I tell God I'm too tired. Oh, I'm too tired. I just want to watch TV. And that's how I watch TV for like three or four hours. And when it's time to pray, I pray for like 20 minutes. Like, oh, Lord, I'm too tired. I worked, I worked yesterday. I can't. And I'm telling you this, and this is true, this is my life. I'm not lying, I do this. And we just come up with these excuses, but they're not new to God. 
The Bible is full of excuses that people give for not doing what they should be doing. Look at Malachi. Look at 1 Samuel. Look at Genesis. Oh, Eve, the woman that you gave me, she made me eat the fruit. I didn't want to eat it. She made me do it. Right? But, but, if you look in the mirror and you want to do something for God, but if you do that, what you will find is Christians, Christians are in short supply who want to break the mold. I'll say that a different way. The Christians that want to make a difference in God's life are in short supply. I'll say that a different way. We always want God to make a difference in our lives. Oh Lord, please make a difference in my life. Make a difference between those that serve you and those that do not serve you. Please make a difference. Bless me, Lord. What about you? How have you blessed him? Make a difference in his life. Don't just be a Christian that attends church and is in the choir and gives your offering, what more can you do? Christians, Christians who make God's life better are in short supply. I'll give you some examples. In 1 Samuel 13 verse 14, in 1 Samuel 13 verse 14, David was described as a man after God's own heart. King David, a man after God's own heart. This is a man who really cared about God's feelings. He cared that God was happy. He didn't just attend the church. He didn't just give his offering. He knew that there was more to Christianity than just attending church and giving your offering. He was the same person, if you remember, we say this in church. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Right? I'd rather be a gate man at the entrance to God's temple. He said all that. A man after God's own heart. How are you after God's own heart? So think for yourself in your own private life. Are you after God's own heart? What is it that you did today that made God happy? That made God's day? And God is like, oh my days, I thank you. <laughs> Whoever he thanks, he, does, he thanks himself. And God is like, oh... I'm so happy that this person is a Christian. You know, when we have really good friends, we're like, oh, I thank God for, I thank God for this person. I thank God this person is in my life. I remember on Sunday, I was like, oh, Pastor Marie, it's her birthday. I'm thankful that she's, I'm thankful that I know her and I'm thankful that she's in the church. Does God say something like that about you? Oh, I'm thankful that Sam is a Christian. Yes, I'm happy. K 
Can God say that about you? If we look at James 2.23, James 2.23, it describes Abraham as a friend of God. A friend. The Bible describes as a friend as someone who's closer than a brother. Abraham was so close to God. Sometimes we think that close to God means, oh, this person is holy and always praying and and this and that. And it's like, hold on. It, it can also mean that this is somebody that you tell all your secrets. And this is somebody that cares about your feelings. And this is somebody that wants you to succeed. Do you want God to succeed? If you do, what are you doing about it? How are you helping him? Or is it only that God should help you? Remember Jesus, Matthew 3.17. Twice, actually, twice. God said this about Jesus. This is my well-beloved son whom I am well pleased. Remember, Jesus was a man. We talked about this on Sunday. He was a man. Twice. God said it. This is my well-beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He said it from heaven. Loud sound. In Matthew 23, 35, Jesus describes Abel. Abel from Genesis. Oh, righteous Abel. Righteous Abel. God remembered. You remembered Abel. Does God have a testimony about you? Or is God's only testimony about you that, oh, well, he's saved anyways, he's coming to heaven? Yes. There's a lot of Christians that will go to heaven, but they never did anything. Yes, come, come. But then there's some like, come, let me give you a hug. There will be some like that. We look at uh, Acts 19, and I want us to open this. Acts 19. Acts 19. And I hope we are following. And I, I, I'm not criticizing anybody, by the way. As I said, a lot of these things I'm saying, I do it sometimes. Acts 19 verse 8. So this is talking about Paul, Paul the Apostle. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months. Three months. He was talking about Jesus. Three months. He went to a foreign land and was talking about Jesus. Three months. We go to verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years. He went to a foreign land and kept talking about Jesus for a period of two years. He just kept doing it. He did it to the point that all that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord. All that heard in Asia all that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord. I'll draw you to something else. In verse 9, towards the end, 
he was disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. For the space of two years, he was doing this daily. For the space of two years, he was doing this daily. He wasn't just attending church, he gave his life. He gave his life. Now I, I was um, I was thinking about this. You know, not many of us can afford to to spend two years of our lives abroad just talking about Jesus. But the fact of it is, God doesn't expect that. There are some people who are called to do that, and there are some people who are called to do something else. When I'm saying, what can you do for God? I'm not telling you to go to a missionary work in, in Vietnam. I'm saying where you are, what can you do more? Okay, we're almost there. So there are these things here I have written down. Tradition, hardness, unbelief, and familiarity. These are huge traps that defy what we know to be true. We know that God is good. We know that God is powerful and he has told us. But because of tradition, because of hardness, because of unbelief, because of familiarity, we don't believe what God is saying and we don't believe what we can see with our eyes. I'm a different man than I was four years ago. I know it. God has made a difference in my life. But sometimes I act as if no difference was ever made. Like God isn't real. I do what I want and I don't think about Him. I only expect Him to think about me. Okay. So we were reading from Acts 19, right? So let's look at verse 9 again. Acts 19 verse 9. Very important there. So we know that Paul was teaching for two years. But in verse 9, there were many people, it says here, who were hardened and they did not believe. But they spake evil of what Paul was doing. They were hardened and they did not believe. If we go to Luke chapter 4, verse 22. So Jesus has just said, Oh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And today is this fulfilled. And this is what some people were saying. They're like, well, look, he speaks well. You know, it says it here. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. They're like, well, he's, he speaks very well now. I mean, and they said, it's not this Joseph's son. Joseph was a carpenter. It's like, well, look, Jesus is talking very well now. This, this dictionary he's using is very good for a, carpenter's son, for a carpenter's son. It's very good. Well done. Well done for a carpenter's son. Very good. But they didn't believe him. In verse 24, Jesus knew what they were thinking and he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Jesus was in here 
he was in Nazareth. Nazareth was where Jesus lived. He was born in Bethlehem. He lived in Nazareth. That's where he was raised up. That's why they call him Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth was his hometown. Okay. So, tradition, hardness, unbelief, familiarity, these things will try and take away our victory. These things will make us not want to do something that makes God happy. It's like, well, this is what my parents do. They don't take it seriously. Why should I take it seriously? That's tradition. Hardness. He's like, oh, you need to change. You need to do things a little better. It's like, no, why would I do things better? I'm living for myself. Unbelief. Oh, I don't really believe. But I'm a Christian, but I don't really believe. And then familiarity. Ah. They always say this. God is mighty to save. They always say this. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's explain why these things happen. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. So it says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil is trying to do bad things. He's trying to make people not believe. Don't help him. The devil is already working against you. Don't help him do the job. When you resist God, when you resist what he's saying, um, when you resist the importance of personal responsibility, which is what I'm talking about, it leads down a familiar path. It leads down a path that gets you to anger. Because you get annoyed because things don't work. And you start to be like, well, I don't believe that. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for you because of your attitude. And now you've believed that. It can lead to malice. It can lead to discontent. You're praying for things that you don't get. It makes you annoyed. It's like, uh, so that's how you end up being a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian, but in actual fact, in your actions, you're not a Christian because you're annoyed. Because all your prayers, they don't get answered. It leads to disunity. You start to get annoyed at people. At home, you start to not function as a family. It leads to hard words. It leads to behaviors that should not be related to Christianity. It leads to infighting. It leads to thoughts about what everyone else is doing wrong. Oh yeah, this is what they're doing wrong. They shouldn't be doing that. If there are things that are happening that I don't like, and I'm talking about myself, I keep my mouth shut. If I see things that I do not like, I keep my mouth shut because I think to myself, this is my journey. I am responsible for me. Let me get myself right. 
an if an opportunity comes that I can be of help elsewhere, I'll do that. But first, I need to get my own personal responsibility. So if I start to have some bad thoughts about somebody because I think they're not doing something right, I look at myself in the mirror and I say to myself, Sam, why are you having these thoughts? That's wrong. Forget about them. You, you're the one who's wrong. When you don't take personal responsibility, but you look at others and you say, well, they should be doing better. No, forget them. Focus on yourself. When you resist personal responsibility, you start to become selfish and your attention starts to be divided. And the list goes on. Now look at this. If we go to Luke 4, and we go down a little bit, we go to verse 31. Luke 4, verse 31. We start to see the difference when we don't resist, when we accept personal responsibility, when we accept what God is saying to us, when we hear God is saying, I am enough, and we believe that he is enough. You see what happens. So in Luke 4, verse 31, Jesus left Nazareth because they, they weren't having what he was saying. He left. And so he came down to Capernaum, another city in Galilee. I was talking about this on Sunday. Jesus went to Galilee and he was going to all the different towns. He was doing, he was doing round trips. And he taught them on the Sabbath days. And I want you to see that. That's I only saw this today. And came to Capernaum, a city of Galilee and taught them on the Sabbath days. Not Sabbath day, days. Jesus left Nazareth and went to Capernaum. And Capernaum became his headquarters. Days. Now look at verse 32. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was at power. Now they're not there saying, oh, well, he speaks well for a carpenter's son. They're not doing that. They're like, oh, wow, this is the truth. I need to believe this. Because of that, he was with them and taught them on the Sabbath days. When you take God seriously, when you show personal responsibility for what you hear, he will be with you. Now we can open the verse uh, chapter 5 and we're, we're almost at the end now. Chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. So these people were pressing. Lord, we want you. We want you. Stay. Don't go. Please stay. They were pressing. Give us more. Give us more. Look at verse 11 of chapter 5. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They dropped it. It's like, okay. So this is... Peter, James, John, and all Andrew, all, all, the, all, the, all the friends at the time. This is when they started follow, following Jesus. They're like, look, no, we'll leave that. This is personal responsibility. They, if you read this story, you will see the, 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 it's like, okay, Lord, yes, I can do better. This is where Jesus said to him, look, you've been fishermen so far. 
Today, I will actually make you fishers of men. You've been catching fish, but today I will, I will make you fishers of men. They took personal responsibility that they could do more. And in verse 11, it says it there. They forsook everything and followed him. So I'm going to finish now. Please, please, all of us, we have to consider what we are doing with our Christian life and our Christian walk. And we need to think of what more we can do. Don't focus so much on what can God do for me. Think about what you can do for him. Ask him. Ask him. And I think the first thing he will say to you is, look, be holy, be blameless. We talked about this in Ephesians. Have the right kind of life. And when you do that, he will start giving you jobs. He will start giving you responsibilities. Think to yourself, how can I help God do what he wants to do? You know, the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help him that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. How can you help? So please, let us think to ourselves, how can I be a responsible Christian? Not just someone that follows, not just someone that copies, not just someone that acts like I believe but I don't really believe. Not just someone that comes to church. Not just someone that comes to give offering. Not just someone that sings in the choir. Someone that does even more. Remember, Christianity is not just to come to church. Christianity is not to come to church and to give you offering. Christianity is not to come to church and to give you offering and to sing in the choir. Christianity is not to come to church and to give you offering and to sing in the choir and to do prayer. No, it's more than that. More. We need to take personal responsibility. God is enough. And if he's enough, then let's give him all. Because he's enough. He's all we need. The way that our love for our children keeps growing and growing and growing. Let your love for God keep growing and growing and growing. Okay, so this is where I will finish. And uh, I hope that, that what I have said is something that touches your heart. And that you can pray about this. And by God's grace, he will speak to you about what more he wants you to do. So we can pray. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for my life. I thank you for what you have done for me. I thank you for how you love me. I thank you because you don't just see me and leave me as I am. You want me to be better. You see potential in my life and you want me to reach my potential. Almighty Father, help me to reach my potential. In March, help me to help you. In 2022, help me to make you happy. What can I do, Lord? Show it to me and give me the strength to do it. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Almighty God, for everyone gathered here. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.